When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV on a Live Nations Friday, loosey-goosey edition of the program. Going to have to reach down deep, gang. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a little disjointed today. Bear with me. That's all right. We'll have fun. Uh, I'm broadcasting from the house because I don't want to make you sick. Well, I couldn't make you sick if you're driving around listening on 93.3. Uh, Real Talk Radio, and if we're, you're watching on Warchant TV, but if I were out and about where Tom Lang is, which is the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, and where I was supposed to be later today, I could. Uh, dealing with a little under-the-weather symptoms here today, but we'll be all right. It is a great weekend to be, and we didn't want to miss it. And so it is that uh, I join you now from the Hizzy, Tom from the CP, you where you are, and soon, hopefully, everybody Tomorrow, that is, we'll be at uh, Doe Campbell Stadium, Bobby Bowden Field for the spring game. How are you, brother? I'm doing all right. It's a hustling and bustling CP on a Masters Friday, Major League Baseball Friday. We got the happy hour coming up later, but I'd say there's upwards of 35 people here now. It's happening. I guess people well, said the hell with it. Well, it's too pretty to go to work. Nobody should be at work right now. It's perfect outside. You've got Major League Baseball on the tube behind you, I see, with the Red Sox and the Yankees. First pitch underway about to start. Of course, as you noted, the Masters, and I've got that on in the background here at the house. But, uh, yeah, man, it's um, we couldn't have asked for anything better than this in terms of the weekend weather forecast that Chamber of Commerce is uh, – smiling right it's it's you, you can't have anything better so the Knowles that are in town we welcome you and those on your way come on down uh good times in Tallahassee uh as tomorrow will be interesting I have to I have to admit um I think that um it's gonna be a fun day uh over there at the stadium and thereabouts lots of people in town lots of people excited to watch this team uh continue to climb if I could be so cheesy and and, and I think they have I think that's what they've done this spring, they've gotten better. I still think they have a long ways to go, but I think they're better than they were at this time last year, and that's good news. Oh, there's no doubt. And yesterday was a spirited practice. I was over there. Believe it or not, man, it was worth your time. 
Uh, I know you were feeling the effects of what you're now, you know, really feeling with the sickness, but uh, they went into Duke Campbell. They did a goal line drill, and they had the war champ blaring on loop. And basically, it was a race to a certain total, and, and would the offense win or would the defense win? It came down to the wire, and it was uh, really spirited, so they look like they're ready to go. It was a game, frankly, that I, I wish they would uh, reinstall for the spring game itself. It's easy to, for people to get behind, um, but everybody's ready to go. And you're, as you said, it won't be as windy tomorrow as it is today. It's just going to be beautiful. So looking forward to it. I saw where Mike was really pleased that he got him, um, you know, back after him uh, and was pleased with their ability to adapt to that and get after it in goal line. Linebackers stood out, uh, according to all that were there. I know you were there. Uh, you're right. Actually, I made a decision not to go thinking it would be a light practice. It's a good thing I chose not to go. You'd all be sick. Um, but yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was good to see them get after that. I remember them doing goal line a bit last year. I was hoping they'd get after it again this year. So I'm glad that they, he was able to work it in. Uh, actually, you know, what's interesting about goal line time. I remember this from my playing days. It's, it's, it's rugged, but it's fun. I always thought it was fun. I always had a blast with it. I mean, it's nasty now. You got to strap it on. But everybody kind of understands the expectations. Nobody's going at half speed at goal line. It's like you give to get, you know? Yeah, I don't know that we're allowed to say the specifics of how it went, but let's just say there was upwards of 20 reps. And when you've got 20 reps of goal line and the emotions that come with that, you know, maybe some guys needed to be separated from each other because there was so much talking going on back and forth. But it was good to see. Uh, everybody was extremely competitive, and, and you know how it works, whether it's a speaking engagement or a game you create around the house with the boys. If if your kids don't buy in or if you don't have a good audience, then you can't be good. But if they buy into it, then it becomes something really, really fun. And the players were all about it yesterday. So I think they're ready to go. I can't imagine. They said today's shoulder, uh, helmets only, no shoulder pads. So today they're going to skate through it, hang out with their families that are in town. The coaches are going to impress the recruits, and then it's all about the big show tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, to recap for everybody exactly what we have in store from you for you at Warchant uh, today, we're you know it's kind of really all kicks off right here with Jeff Cameron show, and then later this afternoon, unfortunately, I'm gonna sneeze. <laughs> I, I got to get well, quick on this. Listen, this lineup is nothing to sneeze at, sir. This lineup is hey, nothing. Hey, to sneeze you know at. what I got to do? I got to get the mouse ready to go to mute this mic. It's gonna happen several times today. Uh, anyhow, that said. Uh, we got the Jeff Cameron show, and then and then after the show concludes, if you're getting off of work or you're going to bounce out a little bit early because it's too too beautiful to be inside, make your way over to the CP out there as uh, it's a war chant five to six happy hour, uh, good times. Tom's going to fill in for me, and I appreciate that. Corey Clark will be there. Several people, I'm sure, from War Chant will be there, and uh, a lot of folks uh, about town will make their way over there as well. And then tomorrow, on-site Hotel Indigo. 12 to 3. Uh, I'm hoping certainly to make that if I can uh, and, and, and join everybody because it's a, a perfect setting. And uh, you and I will be doing the pregame show one way or the other. Uh, and then from there, uh, you got the watch along uh, with yourself, uh, Tom and Gene. Uh, and then, of course, a postgame call in show after the game. So pregame, postgame, game itself, watch along, all that good times. Once again, Hotel Indigo gets the party started around 12 o'clock. So should be. Uh, should be a good day, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they set this up. Uh, I do think, you know, obviously a lot of people who can't get to town will, will be watching this. Um, you know, I, I think, honestly, uh, they, they should set it up, Tom, for this to be entertaining one way or the other because we know if they go first team, first team, that the defense is going to win. So I'm curious to see situationally what they do to challenge the offense but also make it 
something that if they are to perform well, they're rewarded for. Yeah, and I would say, again, you know, Todd, to answer your question, it's on ACC Network, guess, 5 o'clock. Hopefully they're not late like last year where there was a lacrosse final and we didn't get in until, you know, the second or third drive. Um, but, yeah, the, the point remains that even in goal line where it's skewed towards the offense, I mean, if it's goal line, you're, all you got to do is gain a few yards and you succeed. It's not first and 10 or, or third and long. The offense had something for the defense yesterday, so we'll see. Uh, I don't know that they scripted the offense to be successful. I think they just threw a few wrinkles at the defense that the defense had not seen so far in spring camp. So maybe Mike's saving a couple of concepts uh, that maybe they haven't seen a whole lot of, and that's how you do it. You don't necessarily have to set up the defense to call a play that you know is going to you know, fall into the trap that the offense is setting for it in order for the offense to be successful. I think this offense is good enough to make plays on its own. It doesn't need too much help but I just don't know that they can string four and five together. So there should be some explosives both ways tomorrow. And I think what a lot of people want to see is these transfers, whether it's Micah Pittman, Johnny Wilson, or on the other side, Jared Verse and Tatum Bethune. If all of those guys take turns making plays, I think the the approval level of what people see will go up dramatically because that's what this spring was about before we started, and that's still what it's about. Are these transfers going to make a difference? Carol writes uh, that she's hoping for an awesome game tomorrow. Can't wait to see how all the new players on the team pan out, especially the transfer portal players. Well, the transfer portal players have really been kind of the star of the show, as Tom was just alluding to. I think that uh, number one on that list is Tatum Bethune. He's been, um, you know, practice in, practice out, uh, an impact player. He gets everybody organized. He's a leader. Uh, he's vocal in, in in his efforts to get people lined up properly, Tom. I think people uh, look to him. You know, I, I think between he and Jamie Robinson and a couple other guys, even Kalen Deloach, another linebacker, uh, they do a very good job of getting this team lined up properly. But in, in terms of solely the transfer portal guys, Micah Pittman and Tatum Bethune have been fantastic. The others have been good, too. Verse has come along quickly. You feel good about him as a, as a transfer. Obviously, uh, I think Johnny Wilson's an up-and-down player. I think he's a boomer bust player. I think he's a guy you're glad you added without question. He's also a guy that I need to see get more consistent catching the football. It's a problem for him, uh, but he's a big play guy, and his potential is huge because it's rare to have a body type like that. So, um, you know, I think they, I think obviously Benson has, has worked well. They've done well with the guys they've brought in, and I think those guys will perform tomorrow. Yeah, we were kidding around yesterday uh, during the shortened practice that uh, only because you weren't there did Johnny Wilson have a good day, because he did consistently, whether it was in the IPF where they started practice, on the proper outdoor fields where the middle portion was, or in the stadium. He made a nice catch on a fade. Hey, how about a fade to somebody who's over five foot ten? That's a good idea. Uh, but yes, he was consistently a good player for this uh, for the whole group yesterday, and uh, only because you weren't there. So hopefully, he because shows out I for think, you tomorrow. Because I think that everybody in attendance on Thursday would have admitted, or excuse me, uh, on Tuesday would have admitted that he was not. He was terrible. So, so this is this is sort of the, the this is what we're this is my concern, dude. He he is he is this and he is that and. Uh, Hopefully he has more of these upward mobility days that you're talking about as we move along because that body type, you can't teach it. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, there aren't many things uh, to do with that if he's high point in the football. Um, and, and so, you know, I, for our quarterbacks, I sure am grateful that they now have a guy that they can throw to and they can truly, as they say, put it up there, uh, you know, throw it up. 
get it up there because there's not there's no reason for that throw to be anywhere near the shoulders. He's a big kid. He can really jump and extend. Uh, you might have something there in the red zone this year at the very, very least. Well, if he was consistent catching the football, like really consistent, then he'd be an ACC game breaker in year one. Like, you know, as long as he is relatively consistent at doing it, then a defense has to account for who he is in the red zone or even down the field. If he's running a fly, you're not going to leave somebody in isolation for that matchup. Jordan is very good at diagnosing pre-snap. This is one thing that we don't talk about uh, as it relates to him as a quarterback. He'll see a matchup pre-snap, and then he'll pull the trigger within you know a second because he knows he doesn't have that much time, but also he has the smarts to see what this offense is trying to do to generate those one-on-one matchups that Mike Norvell talked about when he first took the job. But if Johnny Wilson can at least somewhat consistently bring the ball down in those situations, then you have to account for him, and it opens up other things for a Micah Pittman or a Pokey Wilson, Ja'Kai Douglas, the rest of the crew. Yeah, and oh, by the way, um, I, I, there's no doubt that uh, that's something Jordan does exceptionally well, and it's something that he's continued to do well this spring, and that, that's an area I don't have any concerns about. So we'll see. Um, it, it'll be fun. Uh, really quickly, uh, you and I should at least address all of the other uh, stuff that's going on, including the Masters, which, Tom, I, I think if we were rating this thing yesterday, and I enjoyed my conversation with Jay Revel, I hope others did too yesterday. I thought it was a good talk about golf for those that are mildly interested even. Um, I, I, could, I mean, that, I don't know that we can overstate how cool a story the Tiger Woods round was yesterday at minus one. I, I would caution everybody. I have a suspicion, and if I'm wrong, then he has a chance to win the tournament. If I'm wrong about today, then he has a chance to win the tournament. I don't think he's going to be good today, Tom. Uh, that tee time is brutal, and he sprayed it all over the lot yesterday. So now we're going to pick up wins, and the ability to scramble, which is what he did yesterday, um, becomes that much more difficult. I'm watching some of these guys earlier today who haven't missed 500 and something days of competitive golf, and they're struggling, and the wins are just now getting going. Uh, but you know what? He positions himself to where even if he's five over today, he can make the cut because he's one under going in. And I think that cut line is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of plus four, plus five uh, with the conditions today. So we'll see. Um, cross your fingers for him. But today's going to be a hard day. It is already. Yeah, you could tell. I, I, last I checked, he was still tied nine at one under par because the field has kind of fallen back to earth a little bit. And those winds will kick up. It's just one of those days where if you can hit those 40 to 60 yard pitches within 10 feet, then you have a 10-footer for par instead of, you know, knocking it close for uh, in two on a par five. I think there's a lot of that going on today. He had a lot of practice yesterday at it, but I thought if you look at his round in totality, one under was about right. There were a couple of situations where he missed makeable birdie putts. There was an evil lip out on number five yesterday that looked like it was down. Tiger thought it was most certainly a birdie. And then there were some escape jobs like on number 18. We were just walking into practice after his tee ball on 18. I thought, Damn it, Tiger, there's a 73 because you're about to double. And somehow, some way, that dude got home in four to shoot 71. If he gets in the clubhouse at 73 or 74 today, I think he still might have a chance to win the tournament this weekend. We'll see if anybody has a crazy good round. The one thing about Cam Smith that I'll say, and he leads right now solo because it looks like Sun JM came back to earth a little bit. Cam Smith's win at the players had conditions like this, worse than this, on moving day. So for, he's a player who won a tournament recently who've seen worse than this. But the difference is the greens at Augusta are not forgiving if you miss it by two feet. Yeah, if you're wondering about the leaderboard, it is Cam Smith at minus four. Uh, he hasn't teed off yet, uh, which is at 130, so he'll be dealing with these difficult wins. Uh, Charles Schwartzel 
is about to be in the clubhouse. And, Tom, he may be heading to the weekend at minus three. If that holds up, goodness gracious, he makes this once-a-year appearance. Uh, Corey Connors has had a great round. Sung J.M., as you said, has come back down to earth. Uh, it's been interesting. It's uh, Neiman tees off at 141. Sheffler tees off at 203. Those two are at minus three. Dustin Johnson's had a rough afternoon. He's at uh, four of the day, plus two. So it's it's been fun. Uh, we'll continue to, to keep you updated with that. And I will tell you this, that uh, there, there are a couple holes that are playing. Like, there's a par five right now that's playing like a par six. <laughs> there, there are a couple of holes here where a par feels like a birdie. Yeah, the dude I'm interested to see this afternoon beyond Tiger, because that's everybody's person, is Scotty Scheffler because he did play well at the match play out in Austin and it was windy out there, but he is a high ball hitter. And so can he handle that and flight it down today? We'll see. He's not afraid, man. He's uh, that's a really good player. And, and I, I wouldn't suspect that he'll back up too much there. We should also mention something else that I didn't get a chance to talk about before. Um, I'm beginning to get concerned here, uh, Tom, and maybe we'll save this for the break and come back, but CY is leaving the program, the basketball program, that is. Uh, that, I don't know if the average fan, and this is not a knock or a condescending comment, I don't know why if I lived in, like, say, St. Petersburg and on a day-to-day basis worked at the bank, I would have any reason to know this. CY is critical to Florida State's success on the basketball court. Um, he has done incredible work here. And, and that's partly because, as he's pointed out himself, Ham has been such a good teacher and has given him a lot of responsibilities. But he's made the most of those responsibilities, Tom, and he's leaving to go coach at Missouri. And I just, I'm just i beginning to get a bad feeling about where we're at at Florida State with basketball. I know today's football. I know it's the Masters. I know it's Major League Baseball. We won't spend a lot of time on this, but I think it's a big deal that he's leaving. I'll talk about it next. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the jeff cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 trouble i hear the clock tick in the room Jeff Cameron Show, Live Nations Friday, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Bear with my voice as it goes in and out. I was noting a moment ago uh, before we went to break, and by the way, Tom is at Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, and uh, I am at home, and uh, if you get the opportunity and you're getting off work, make sure you swing past CP. It's all... And... 
<clears throat> it's a happy hour basically from five to six as well. So you should be good to swing on by there and kick off this weekend. Right. Uh, I was, I was noting by the way, saying, I should say before the break that CY is leaving the program, Charlton young leaving the basketball program. And if you think about um, what he's done since he joined the program in 2013, uh, you could argue, Tom, certainly that he has been the coach primarily responsible for the uptick in recruiting that has allowed for us to make it to four NCAA tournaments 2017 through 2019 and again in 2021 to win the ACC regular season in 2020. And by all accounts, um, you know, a lot of people believe he helped bring in specifically helped bring in Dwayne Bacon, Malik Beasley, Terrence Mann, Devin Vassell, Patrick Williams, Scotty Barnes, Matthew Cleveland over the last six seasons. And at one time, I know we thought long-term that either Dennis Gates or Charlton Young, and Charlton goes and joins Dennis now, were looked upon as, you know, prime candidates to succeed Leonard Hamilton. And my fear here is that I think he was grooming one, if not both of those guys uh, to, to be here. Um, but, but now that they're at an SEC school and uh, allegedly, I mean, I, I haven't gotten confirmation on this. It does look like he's, received a massive raise of over half a million dollars more than he's making here. So, you know, there would be really no reason from a money standpoint for them to come back here. Uh, Leonard Hamilton is going to be 74 this summer, Tom. He's just lost the two most vital pieces to his coaching staff as it pertains to recruiting. The program did not have a good year. Uh, Anthony Polite announced he's leaving as well and not coming back. That's the other bit of basketball news. That's not the end of the world, but you would have liked to have had him back. So I just get a sense that we're on the cusp of watching this thing fall off a cliff. I'm just going to say it. I, I don't think the basketball program is upwardly mobile. I think it's in trouble. Yeah, it's um, Charles Bradley. Where do we go from here? That's the question. I saw yesterday that uh, John Rothstein tweeted out that we are courting uh, Boise State's R.J. Barsh, who apparently is well thought of, but I don't know if that is somebody that Leonard wants to bring in to be a successor. Uh, we thought there was a clear line of succession here that, you know, ideally Dennis Gates would go away, prove his wares as a head coach, come back here, take over. But if you've got Missouri money, which is SEC money, any program in that SEC, and you're able to double or triple salaries for individual coaches, what's the allure to come back here? That's a tough question. So what is the line of succession? And is this person, if we land him from Boise State, somebody who is capable of taking over the reins? Are they a, a cold-blooded recruiter in this region of the country or the places that we've been very good? Actually, we've been good internationally, but you know, if you look for those four stars or five star players, we're good in the Carolinas, obviously, Atlanta, Chicago. Can we continue to do that with a replacement assistant coach? I still trust in Coach Hamilton's connections that I'm not completely writing it off, but yeah, I'm majorly concerned as well at this point. How could you not be? I think if if you take a step back and you say to yourself, if I were let's just say my task was to cover the ACC. Uh, as it pertains to basketball, right? I just, uh, my job was to cover the ACC and have insight on each of the programs in this conference. Tell you what, it would be an interesting time. I know North Carolina was a whisker away from winning the national championship just now and that Duke made the final four. 
So what you would write about the relative health of this conference, you'd have to be careful because obviously this was a conference written off this year and they had two people in the final four and they had a, a sterling record in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament, Miami going to the sweet, the elite eight, you know, et cetera. But Larinaga is old and he looks a lot older than he is, uh, but he is in his seventies. Uh, Leonard Hamilton is, as I mentioned, going to be 74 and he's been an uber successful coach at a program that is not accustomed to having a lot of success. Mike Krzyzewski just retired. Uh, I would note, in addition to all of that, that um, you know Roy Williams is gone. Jim Beheim. Beheim is seventy-seven years old. Uh, so all of these men have either retired or are about to in the twilights of their career, and uh, it's going to be fascinating. And I guess getting back to my point, if I were tasked with covering this conference, I would begin to write off the likes of Florida State. I would say they just lost two critical pieces in the last four years, one of which went on to turn a, 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 a dumpster fire of a program around and quickly elevate his status to the point where he got a job in the SEC and then took uh, an assistant who he knew from Florida State, uh, was a remarkable recruiter, uh, and brought him into Missouri. And I love Ham, and he's done amazing work. But there is no way to suggest anything other by definition at 74 years old. He's at the tail end, if not the very end of his career. So, sir, these are not good times. <laughs> this, is not, this is not good. This football program, which will take that field tomorrow, had better get this thing turned around, everybody. Man, it's all falling to pieces. But uh, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. You got the transfer from Brown. Uh, so maybe he can help you in the front court. If you have a couple of these younger kids stick around, that's a good thing in the immediate term. But you know me, ever since we first moved to the FM dial way back in the day, this ACC, man, it's been a pain in my butt. And like you said, where are you going to go? Where was the landing spot? But it feels like a marriage that's just in place until the kids get out of the house and go to college. You know, we're just doing this for the kids at this point, aren't we? This is going to be a very professional relationship. Well, hopefully the kids grow up, and that means that we get an invite to the new age of college football or whatever it is. But because um, that's what's going to bring a guy like uh, Dennis Gates back or a guy like CY back when you have that kind of money. But as we've seen, we're willing to pay championship level coaches. But if you're looking for the infrastructure to go along with it, this is not the place to be. And that sucks. That sucks to say for football, it's that we're efforting it to be. And that's where all the resources have to go. But that domino better fall soon. And it can't fall tomorrow at the spring game, but you just feel the pinch of it, even though this is uh, the offseason for football, technically. Ryan asked a question on the chat here. What does Alfred do if Norvell wins nine games and wants Jimbo money? Well, you don't give him Jimbo money, but you certainly give him a raise because if he wins nine games, uh, Ryan, I know where your head's at. Uh, I will point to the fact that even you would say that that is a major overachievement if he wins nine games with this roster. And at that point, you would have to believe that he has proven himself and is upwardly mobile. I think he is. I know the vast majority of the fan base does not because they're coming off a five and seven season. Um, it's interesting. I, I, I think that, you know, when we're there on a daily basis and we see the way this team responds and we see that the roster is growing with the kinds of guys that look the part, as I say, and that they're doing well in, an, in assessing the transfer portal guys. And I think that the win-loss record will be better this year. It's important they have a winning season. There's no doubt about that. At some point, it has to be tangible. It has to be a result. I, I get, It can't all be process. Um, but if they go and they are able to do that, then I think everybody breathes and exhales a sigh of relief. Um, 
I just, it's, it's curious. Uh, it's, it's a big year. He knows it. You know, I'll say this to our listeners and viewers. It's not lost on Norvell and this staff how, how big a season this is, how, how important this is. You know, you hear things, I'll just put it that way, from sources and people around the program that they know it's critical they take a big step forward this year because they know that those who want to give money but are on the fence, those that desperately want to see Florida State win and they just don't know what to believe because they've only seen these results, right? And they're like, well, you know, I get it. It was transition. It was tough. They made a decision to fire a coach, um, you know, early in his tenure and, and then you're automatically resetting the table and all of that other stuff. But they still need to see some tangible success, right? They can hear from you and me and some others around the program that he's a good coach, that he's doing a good job, that it just takes time, but they want to see it. Those, those guys over there understand that. And that's why I expect them to be very, very aggressive in their efforts to kind of solidify some of the areas of weakness that we've talked about throughout the spring. Um, you know, you've got a group now in Rising Spear that appears to be uh, on the cusp of making even more announcements. I know there's something coming early next week that uh, that I can tell you on the show today without getting into details. Um, there's something coming next week in regards to Rising Spear uh, doubling their efforts and joining with a group that's going to help them do that. And so this is going to continue to grow. Us? As- are, are they joining with us? <laughs> <laughs> um no, and I can't get into details, but it's coming next week. You're going to hear something early in the week um, about that organization as they continue to to make strides and, and to help this program financially. Um, good, because I would do everything in my power as Coach Norvell or one of these assistants a to uh, to want to keep my job. It's a it's a high paying job at a great university, and if you get if you get it right, you're in a good location. You can win a lot of games. We know that. Um, but also, I, I would know the, the, how, how important it is. So it be interesting to see what happens um, with, after the spring game in the transfer portal, where they go and, and how many kids they look at and, and who do they aggressively seek to bring in here. Yeah, there are times maybe in a program's uh, development uh, where you can root for kids to develop and wait for them. This is not that time. If you're rooting for a kid, that means they're not performing. And if they're not performing, that means you got to recruit over them immediately. It's just, you just you need to be like a, a certain young member of your family uh, once years ago, quick to punch guy. Uh, yeah. You've got you've to strike first. If there's any hesitation, if there's any doubt, and that, that's what I assume what the coaches' meetings will be about once they, uh, they conclude spring practice on Tuesday. They've got one more after the game tomorrow. Then they do whatever exit meetings they do as they transition into recruiting. It's give me the cold-blooded assessment. Alex, can this guard play? Can this tackle play? Okay. Uh, Coach Shannon, can this linebacker play? Yes, no, all right. And then they put together their whiteboard of you know positions of need in the portal, and they stalk that thing like crazy. They stalk that thing like a 17-year-old waiting for it to crawl in a DM, right? But that's the <laughs> thing. That's the thing that's coming next. You, you cannot be timid. You, if you have a chance go take the chance as long as the kid is not going to be a cancer for the culture then go for it try and make it happen were you have you been surprised this camp i know we're going to go to break here in a second have you been surprised this camp at how vocal and intense randy shannon has been um because i i i'll tell you what randy shannon the head coach no thanks randy shannon the coordinator on the field with a whistle i'm fine with I really like what he's doing in terms of the approach, discipline, 
focus, intensity. Now, he has another facet that he's going to have to do a good job in, and that's recruiting, so we'll see. But as far as the -the on-the-field linebackers coach, he is not having it. There is an intensity to him, especially with some of these guys, um, I think, that aren't, let's say, Tatum Bethune who he trusts because he had him at UCF and he knows he's a part, you know, productive player. But everybody else that hasn't proven themselves to be uber productive on the field on Saturdays or have a step that can be taken, he is all over them every day. It's very impressive, man. There's an intensity there that belies the record from a year ago and the need to get better, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I've seen him rein in some guys if they were, you know, straying away from drills. Like it's not their turn yet, and it's not going to be for a couple of minutes. Like he'll he'll reel them back in towards the drill and, and shout them down. But honestly, I, I've kind of seen Coach Shannon only in passing when I'm, you know, whatever assignment I've got with the O line or the D line. So when you said, "Do you agree?" Him? I don't know. You tell me. So that's very interesting. That's an insight. Yeah. I, I have no idea what the linebacker drills really look like play for play. So that's that's good to hear. Yeah, so you know, we both, and and for those out there, we'll give you a peek behind the curtain, we all go into practice with a different focus. So Tom's been tasked pretty much with looking at the offensive and defensive lines on a day-to-day basis and kind of give us all a gauge as to the, you know, the starters, the depth, where they're at, who's getting better, who hasn't, you know, been up to snuff, all those things, some of the younger guys. For me, I've taken it upon myself to look at two groups in particular uh, because I already have my concerns about the offensive line. I like this defensive line, so I'm like, and, and anything else I need to know, I'll ask Tom because I trust him. I've been very concerned for some time about our linebackers. I've wanted to look at it. And then number two, receivers. So I've watched closely the receivers, and I've watched very closely uh, the linebackers. And while I'm encouraged by both with some of the improvements, whether those be transfer portal guys like Tatum Bethune, like uh, Micah Pittman, uh, you know, those are two good examples of how that group got elevated because of those two guys. I've been very interested to see how they've been coached, who's responded, to the intensity and the competition. And, of course, in the case of Randy Shannon, I'd never really been around him. You know, Randy was the head coach at Miami. I used to make fun of him. He did not do a good job as a head coach at Miami, um, and I don't shy away from that. Um, and, and, you know, that's 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 fine. He's not a head coach here, so I don't need him to be that. I need him to be a good linebackers coach, and I need him to be uh, what we need him to be as a recruiter. That Time will tell on that one. But as far as the day-to-day teaching the position and getting after guys, he's been great. He's been hardcore. He's been demanding and focused and detail-oriented, and that's exactly what I've wanted to see. So a specific player, let me ask you about before we go to break, DJ Lundy. What have you seen out of him? Because when I watch team, he flashes at times, but I just wonder if you notice that maybe he gets more praise than not or or who's, you know, because Bethune's the guy. But I thought DJ Lundy looks improved, not just thinner, because that's clear, that's easy to see, but he looks improved. He's improved because he's faster, which goes along with being thinner. He's faster. I still don't like him isolated in coverage. I mean, he is always going to be a guy that is going to tackle against the run, and he's got some thunder that he brings with him, and he's done that in camp, and he's faster to do it because his first step is quicker because he's lost some weight, but he's still a big dude. He's never going to be a guy that you want to be in coverage or to get isolated in coverage. Um, I think the linebackers are better because the two on the field are going to primarily be Tatum Bethune and Kalen Deloach. And those are two good li- – like, Kalen Deloach at the start of last year, two fingers to my eyes, two fingers back to you. By the end of last year, I legitimately thought Kalen Deloach was a good football player. 
Like, just a good linebacker, period. He was a good player. He's uh, pretty good in coverage. He's gotten very good against the run. Uh, he's not a liability in coverage, I should say. Tatum Bethune's the complete linebacker of this bunch, which means that you can push people back down on the depth chart where they need to be, and they're not out there as your starters. So DJ Lundy, if you're going to ask him to run 15, 20 snaps, yeah, I think he can be good. I think he can be good. Uh, same with Amari Gaynor, right? Um, those guys don't have to be one, two, they can be three, four, and they can spell the top two and you knock on wood that you don't get hurt. The other thing you do is you go get a linebacker in the portal to, to strengthen the depth, because I think you need another one. I think you need another guy at a high level, somewhere between where Tatum Bethune is and where DJ Lundy is. Yeah, I agree. The, the difference is, and, and Adam Fuller talked about this, I think it was after scrimmage too, but it's the communication. It's the, it's the diagnosing pre-snap. Kalen Deloach was really good at that by the end of the season. The interception that he made against Florida in the swamp has everything to do with pre-snap recognition and knowing your keys and really nothing to do with the athleticism. That was all a play about smarts. Just like getting downhill and, and making the safety, uh, the tackle for the safety against Boston College that they had to review. Those are things that are instinct because your training has brought you to a place. The question is how much of that was maybe a little bit of Randy Shannon towards the end of the season because he was able to get down on the field and do a little bit more instruction as the fall wore on. But, that, you know, if you continue to see that development and the communication pre-snap, that makes everybody better. It's, it's what a real defense does because your interior defensive linemen are in the correct gaps, and so you create those lanes for yourself. If that's something that we can begin to see with more consistency here, then you don't really have a glaring weakness like one that week to week you say, I hope they don't you know, uh, scheme for this because we can't get after the passer or our second corner sucks or the safeties are terrible. If you if you bring all that together with the communication pre-snap, I, you have yourself a, a solid defense across the board with some game changers at different positions, not everywhere on the field. As we go to break, give you a quick update. Sung J M, uh, the leader still tied, though, with Danny Willett at minus four. Uh, M still on the course with four to play. Is plus one on his afternoon. Cam Smith tees off here now. He's on the on the course on, on number one. Um, Joaquin Neiman uh, just now teeing off as well. He's amongst the leaders along with Scotty Scheffler, who will tee off shortly. Uh, a nice move here from Harold Barner, the third, who's moved into the top ten. You know, yesterday at one point, Tom, he was plus four. Then he went eagle birdie. Got it to plus one, ended up concluding the day at 71, and today is one under par and now minus two for the tournament. Nice to see Harold Varner the second. Fun, puts a smile on your face. Um, from there, some other big names. Patrick Cantlay is even par in the day, minus two for the tournament. Matthew Fitzpatrick still out there. So Tiger Woods has teed off, and uh, here we go. We'll keep watching and give you updates throughout, but should be a fun afternoon as the winds are now gusting. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. of the Jeff Cameron Show. Thanks for being with us. Or Chant TV, like and subscribe. Also, if you would uh, share and tell everybody this is where you can find the best in Florida State coverage, warchant.com, articles all week long leading up to the spring game, coverage at the spring game, before the spring game, and after the spring game. We've got you covered, including my man Tom Lang out there at uh, the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. We'll be joined later this afternoon by Corey Clark. I was set 
to do that. But uh, alas, I don't want to be irresponsible and get people sick, so I won't be there. But uh, you can be. That shouldn't prohibit you from going, go, go have fun. Do it up. I'm trying not to sneeze, Tom. I'm battling, buddy. That's okay. My eyes have turned red. Well, just hang in there for a little bit longer. Maybe you can pedialyte your way to Hotel Indigo tomorrow, but it's hopping already here. We're we're up to about 50 people here already. This this is no longer a lunch. People are just here. They are locked in. They're watching baseball. They're watching the Masters, and looks like Tiger needs an up and down on number one for par. Yeah, this is uh, no longer a lunch is something that uh, many of my friends have heard come out of my mouth over the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> where, where, where it starts off innocent enough. Guys, this is no longer a lunch. We ain't going back to the office today. <laughs> that also happens sometimes on the weekends of the 19th hole. You know, it's like you, you play the 8 o'clock round because you want the rest of your day. And then yeah, you're done yeah. around 12, 15. If there's no you know crowd in front of you, uh, you're down by 11.30, 11.45. Next thing you know, it's 1.30, and you're saying, oh, I guess we're getting another round. I this is really good. I need I to see if Bo Hostler can win the Valero Texas Open. I guess we're going to stick around for four more hours. Suddenly, by the way, in those moments, whether or not Bo Hostler can pull off the big win at the Valero or will it be Spawn becomes the most interesting thing in the world. And I would never care about them, except that day, he's my excuse. Thank you, Bo Hostler, and your giant, giant visor. I appreciate you. Oh, my gosh. I just had a sneeze and fit. I was going to tell you to whistle or talk about hockey. Well, I've got a lot of things I can talk about with hockey, if you prefer. Which is a nightmare for, for us right now. And I don't mean the show. I mean, yeah. that. Well, that, too, might be a nightmare for many of our listeners, not uh, me. I, I, I don't mind listening. Yeah, the number count of the listeners gonna just go down by the dozens. They'd be like, all right, here we go. Lang's in on what the Atlantic Division picture in the NHL. Great. Yeah. I, the other night I was laying in bed. I was so disgusted. I texted you. I was like, I wanted to say, are we even going to make the playoffs, man? What is going on here? This is a falling off a cliff. But uh, it's a bunch of tired old guys. Yeah, it is. Uh, thankfully, thankfully, we are going to make the playoffs. But beyond that, I'd almost put those guys in hyperbaric chambers right now and call up the kids from the AHL. Just screw it. You're not going to win the division. The Panthers are really good. It's like, uh, you know, Tiger at Pebble. They're just running away with it. Yeah, and uh, I am holding my breath for Tiger today, as I said at the beginning of the show. Uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned about what the afternoon holds for him and really all these other guys. Um, hey, by the way, shout out. I brought up basketball a moment ago, and obviously there was sort of a, a dire tone to what I was talking about. And I'm not one to mince words. But, man, how cool is it to see what's happened for Scotty Barnes and, and to listen and, and read? Um, there are a number of articles in the last 48 hours for those that do care about Florida State basketball and its uh, alum, if you will. Um, you know, this is, a, this is a kid that, I mean, he has wowed the likes of LeBron James. And so listening to the, the write-ups and, and the folks around the NBA covering the league day-to-day, there's a good chance that guy is going to go on to be a perennial all-star. Yeah, and just remember, it's very instructional for us FSU basketball fans that, that maybe thought, well, he, he could refine his game completely different at the NBA level. The way they play defense, the way it all works with man-to-man, you can just take the basket or take the ball to the basket and cram if you want to, and that's something that Scotty's already really, really good at. But he was a flawed player here last year. He's already a budding star in the NBA this year. It's just crazy how different those two levels of the game are. And if you have the athleticism necessary, then you are on the fast track to doing good things in the NBA. Well, and the body type. 
you know, that's the biggest thing too. Like yeah, who looks yeah. like that at that age? Who looks like that? Um, but no, he's he's not only been uh, a really good player, he's been a a, a kid that I think um, you know is really well liked around the league too, just because of his style of play, how funny he is to watch, and how affable his personality. I do know this that any of the guys who have bodies that look like that, when we would tell our listeners like, yeah, maybe he's averaging 10 a game here or whatever. You don't think he's that good a shooter. Yeah. But they don't build people like that at 18, 19 years old. They don't. And when they do the NBA notices and they bring them in, but then secondarily you have to have that kind of body. Cause that's a long ass season. It's a crazy long season. You have to have the ability to withstand the wear and tear, the beatings that these guys take on a nightly basis. So good for him, man. Good for him. I'm happy to see it. Um, had some comments here. Folks were asking about any number of things, and I haven't been able to uh, get to all of them. Uh, somebody, when I was talking about the dire nature <laughs> of the basketball program, feels the same about baseball. I will tell you this. Baseball is at a crossroads too, Tom. Baseball is at a crossroads too. Um, it will be very curious to see how this basically the second half uh, a little less than that of this season goes. I, I think uh, I'm not one to hit that panic button. I'm one to be level-headed when it comes to baseball, understanding that you can go through bad stretches and come out of them and still end up having the kind of season that sees you go to the College World Series or a Super Regional, which, again, by definition would mean you didn't have a bad year. Uh, but, but I also know that it's troubling to see these offensive numbers go south and then further south and then further south. And I also know that if that's coupled with a record that's middling, people have a right to be critical and concerned, and I, I share some of those concerns. It'll be an interesting weekend for them too. Yeah, once again, you see the strikeout rate that high. I mean, that's the problem is in the beginning of the year, first two, three weeks, it wasn't that big of a deal. The strikeout rate looked healthier. There were more uh, balls being put in play. Uh, the frontline pitching was where it was, and, and that hasn't really changed. But, yeah, you know, at some point we need to have uh, – maybe three or four guys break out of a team-wide slump, and that's where they are right now, to the point where most times somebody brings up FSU baseball around me these days, I quickly pivot to how well Lonnie's doing with the softball program and how good Cat looks or, or Cheryl or Edenfield or 15 home runs. I find a way to pivot there very quickly until there's something good to say. I'm trying not to say anything at all, but the silence at some point is going to be deafening. Hopefully they can correct it this weekend, and then there's a big game on Tuesday night here in town against the Gators. If you can handle business there, that will buy you some time and some goodwill as well. Number three, Florida State. Number five, Virginia Tech. Here we go. You pivoted to softball. I'll tell you what. You want to you know how far softballs come? Uh, just in terms of even the Jeff Cameron show? I'm mentioning it. And, and Tom just cited players and stats. And I knew who he was talking about. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> And it was brought up with more than one minute to go in the hour. Now we're down to 50 seconds, but that's just that we're making strides here. And that's the thing. In May, flash forward, we're going to be talking about that program a lot. They're very, very good. And another huge opportunity for them this weekend because Virginia Tech RPI-wise is awesome as well. All right, Tom's at Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Getting off work, go by, see him. Hour number two is forthcoming. We'll get to it momentarily. Hang in there. I'm trying to do the same. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.